Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Technical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. If this is your first time, yes, we've actually been using that theme song for a couple of years. This is episode number 174 and it is our pleasure to bring you mini match previews from the best matches all over the world. We are noobs, but we're learning the whole darn world all at once. Countries and tournaments, big and small. If the match is important where it's being played, there's a really good chance it's on our radar that allows us to give you a mix of matches that you won't find anything close to, I don't believe, on any other podcast. This week, we're going to be covering matches from Friday, February 9th through Thursday, the 15th. My co-star, Person Noob, is here with us. Hello! She'll be on the countdown duties and bringing us her special animal-related segment later on as well that the kids love so much. Uh, My understanding from all the research and feedback is the more Person Noob, the more chance Y'all will listen. So stay tuned for that a little bit later on the show. Match six, if you're looking to fast forward, just to catch the little one. She's a lot of fun. All right. So with no further ado, let's dive right into the previews with. Match number one. No Friday matches were quite strong enough to make our cut. We start our tour of the world on Saturday. Match number one is the Asian Cup final between Jordan and Qatar. I'm not sure that you wouldn't have made a small fortune if you picked these two particular teams to be here, even though it is being held with Qatar. That obviously gives them something of an advantage. Let's talk about the Jordanians first. The even bigger surprise. They are known as the Chivalrous. Have never made a World Cup proper. This is the fifth time they've been in this event since 2004. They're previous best was uh, the 2019 iteration. They made the round of 16. 2014, they finished runners-up in WAFA tournament. That's the Western Asian Football Association, the sub-association of the Asian Football Confederation. Best they've ever done there. Uh, They came into the group stage for this event, seeded just number 12 out of 24. You can see why I, at the very least, am somewhat surprised. They hold a FIFA ranking of number 84 in the world. They only finished in third place out of four in the group stage, but they advanced on as the best of the uh, four number threes in the various groups. They advanced to the final with a big upset win over South Korea, two to nothing, one of your top seeded teams. Uh, with two goals on the event, their leader appears to have been Musa Altamari, who plays for Montpellier over in France's top flight, League One. Uh, also with two goals is a guy we talked about uh, within the last week or two, Yazan Al-Namat. He's a forward for Qatari club Al-Ali. 
And now the Qataris, they are known as the Maroons, and they are your defending event champions from 2019. I still say that they are a surprise, but their FIFA rank has just got to be absolutely shooting up. 2022 was their first ever World Cup. They were in it because they were hosting, had the worst performance of any host ever in that event, going 0-0-3. They were seeded number six in the group stage coming into this event, and they won their group by five points over second best Tajikistan. They advanced to the final, a big one, mild upset, I would say, over Iran, 3-2. Second best in event scoring guy to look for with five goals on the event. Akram Afif, their left winger who plays for uh, domestic club Al-Sad, a very good one. And European fans might remember him, especially those who follow La Liga. He came up in part from his youth with Sevilla. Now, the bet that you want to make, it is a home match for Qatar, so you're only going to get plus 100. And yet, my uh, gut and my research both tell me that this is a pretty safe bet. Uh, Jordan, let's see if you can do it again in you know two, four years when they hold this next. But I would uh, not be afraid to bet it and take the Maroons at home. Match number B. More Saturday action for your match number B, which serves as a reminder that per my daughter, number two is bathroom talk. Ew. Or something like that. That's not a direct quote, but it is the reason that we believe in number B, and so should you. And here, B is for Bundesliga, the People's League, the top flight in Germany, ranked number four in all of Europe, well over halfway through the season now. And this one will go a long way towards deciding the league title. Check out number one, Leverkusen, hosting number B. There it is again, B for Bayern Munich. Leverkusen currently lead them, still surprising them by two points. What a whale of a season, especially on the defensive side of the ball, as we'll soon learn. When they played earlier this season at it uh, at Bayern, uh, they only managed a 2-2 draw, so now advantage Leverkusen. Series between these two, as you would imagine, historically has been all Munich. Uh, Bayern has accrued a 17-7-6 record, but it seems the tides are turning. We can find out if it will continue to do so on ESPN Plus, the Plocho. At 12.30 Eastern Time on Saturday, Leverkusen, known as the Black and Reds, they're considered a, they offer a very family-friendly and clean experience at their games. This is as opposed to the more blue-collar image that a lot of other German clubs have historically striven for. And so they're not the most popular club across the country. Uh, plus, like uh, Red Bull Leipzig, they were considered uh, something of a plastic club from their origins for having company origins. But hey, you know, it was a work team. It, you know, the Bayer company makes, you know, baby ass and stuff to save from heart attacks. Five times they have been league runners-up, bridesmaids, but never brides. 2010-11 was the last time they got that close. Internationally, a little bit of credit is due for them winning the now Europa League uh, back in 1988-89. Champions League, they finished was runners-up in 2001-2002. Last year in league, they finished in sixth place. This year, they remain undefeated. Some draws in there, but still, oh, so remarkable. Doing it, uh, second-best offense, but the defense is where they've really separated themselves in a high-scoring league. Uh, they are only giving up a little bit less than three-quarters of a uh, match on average, a goal per match on average. They've still only got the second-best goal differential. That is a key metric in my mind normally. Um, I still would bet Bayern on a future if I absolutely had to. Key players to look for. Second best in league assists with nine. That is Alejandro Grimaldo from Spain, their left back. Also has seven goals, clearly getting some winning back action. Um, in fact, really, if you look at his stats, he's pretty low on defensive actions. This guy is sort of a sneaky uh, backline attack midfielder. He came over here after seven years with Benfica over in Portugal. 
And according to the FootMob app that so many of us rely on, he is the second best rated player in the league. Other ones to look for, number one in accurate passes per 90. Uh, that is their golden star, Grant Xhaka from Switzerland, central midfielder. Uh, spent the heart of his career with mighty Arsenal. And then on the defensive side, where they have shown so well, uh, number one in clean sheets and also number one by a lot on save percentage. Only getting only guy getting more than 75% on those, and he's over 80. That is Lucas Hrodecki from Finland, veteran, 34 years old. Team's current form, they've won two straight. And since everybody kind of knows about Bayern, we're going to issue looking at them for the moment. Leverkusen is real, the, really the draw here, but I want to let you know how to bet this. And I would say don't. Uh, longer time listeners of this show, when we approach gambling, you'll notice that there seems to be a trend. The, the matches we cover, these smexy matches, if you will, don't tend to be the ones that are very good to gamble on, at least in my opinion. Uh, you're going to get plus 155 for Leverkusen, plus 145 for Bayern, and it is very hard to bet money betting the draws when it comes to footy. And so I would say instead of doing this, you have to make a little bit of investment to get a reasonable payoff, but you want to bet a German match, bet Leipzig later in the week to win or draw, play that line. You'll have to suffer a minus 450 on the payback and they're on the road at Augsburg, but Augsburg haven't beaten them home or on the road since either uh, 2016 or 17. Match number three. And the Bundesliga isn't the only major European league to provide us a top two matchup this weekend. Let's hope it over Spain now in La Liga, number one, Real Madrid. Hope uh, they host upstart number B, uh, Girona. Real Madrid lead Girona by two points at the table. Girona in turn lead Barcelona by six points. So I wouldn't quite call it a two-horse race, but it's starting to trend that way. Real Madrid won on the road earlier this season, nil three. Series between these two. Madrid have been dominant, but not quite as dominant as I would have thought considering how truly quickly this major upsurge from Girona has been. 5-3-3 three, and three is the record they've accrued the last few seasons. You can catch this one 12-30 in the afternoon on ESPN Plus, the Plocho, or ESPN Deportes. Is that the Spanish Plocho? Is Plocho Spanish for Plocho? We're not sure. Real Madrid, they are known as the Meringues and the Vikings. Interestingly, 35 league titles. Yeah, one of the all-time greats. 2021-22 was their most recent. They've also won 14 Champions League titles. Uh, that's the most of any team in the country. Last one, 2021-22 season. They're about to play Red Bull Leipzig in the round of 16. They've also won five FIFA Club World Cups, technically your world championships. 2022 was the most recent of those. Last year, they were league runners-up, so they are very anxious to retake their crown. Uh, number B in the league on offense, but number one on defense and by a lot, giving up only two-thirds of a goal on uh per match on average. Now, they may not be quite as offensively oriented as a league as the Bundesliga is, but uh, two-thirds, that's just amazing. They've got the number one overall goal differential. Key players tied for number one in league scoring with 14 already is Jude Bellingham from England. They're a 20-year-old attacking midfielder. My goodness. Uh, I was going to say he can't even drink yet, but um, it's Europe, so I'm sure he can. Um 
apparently I need one right now. Uh, he came over after three years at Dortmund in the Bundesliga. And according to Foot Mob, he is your league MVP as of right now. Also tied for number one in assists in the league is Tony Cruz, veteran German central midfielder, 34 years old. He's also number one in accurate passes across the board per 90 and accurate long balls. He's been here since 2014. And number one in save percentage in this league with 81% is Andrea Lunin from Ukraine. Team's current form, a 1-1 draw at home in the Madrid Derby. That snapped a three-match winning streak for them. And now Girona, that's in the Catalonia portion in northern Spain, a city of about 100,000 in change. You've probably seen it before, even if you've never been there, because it was uh, one of, I believe, the primary and certainly was a filming location for Game of Thrones. It's about a 40-minute trade ride for Barcelona if you get it direct. They are known as the White and Reds and only finished in 10th place last year. In fact, 2017 was their first time, I think, in the top flight. And that was when two, uh, the City Football Group, yeah, that owns Manchester City and a bunch of other ones, bought 44% of the shares of this club. So now they've got some uh, Monopoly money that they're playing with. Kind of they're buying their way to the top, just like the other historic team. So that makes it okay. They won Division II. Uh, that was in 2007-2008. Their defense has been okay for a you know a, a contending team, but their offense is really where they have separated themselves. They're number one in that regard, getting over two and a quarter goals per match. Key players to look for, tied for number one in league scoring, is Artem Dubvik from Ukraine. He is a striker who has been linked to Chelsea, but so far, uh, Girona are saying no. I have a feeling for the right price, the City Group would sell him, but there's going to be a lot of digits on that check. Tied for number one in assists is the singularly named Savio. This is a guy with whom I wasn't familiar. He's from Brazil, left winger, just 20 years old. He's on loan here from Troyes, a League 2 team currently, previously uh, recent history in France's League 1. He's also got five goals, by the way. A move to Manchester City looks really imminent, but that deal is being scrutinized quite closely by uh, the powers in the Premier League to make sure that they're going to follow uh, financial fair play. And at his age, it wouldn't strike me if they didn't loan him right back here for a season or two at least. Team MVP, in my opinion, and third best in the league overall, according to Football, that would be their central midfielder, Alex uh, Garcia. Three goals, four assists, and to say everything runs through him, I mean, you could almost say that literally. He's got 96% uh, more touches than anybody else who even plays central midfielder in the league on average. He's also second best, by the way, in accurate long balls per 90. So that's our second guy in this match that we've seen that stat come up. So we might see some really interesting attacks, some aerial stuff going on. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one, one in their last three across all competitions. And now, gambling advice. Once again, I say don't. I don't like these big ones that are at the top. Uh, instead, play uh, Celta Vigo on Sunday. That You're going to get plus 235 for them to beat Getafe. I think that is a much safer play with a nice payout. Match number four. 
Flip your calendar page to Sunday for match number four. We're headed to Africa for their continental championship, the AFCON. The hosts have made it to the final here as well, just like in Asia. Your final is Nigeria versus hosts Ivory Coast. And you can see how this one's going to turn out with your own eyes. Three o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern time here in the States on BN Sports and BN Sports and Espanol. But rather than a full-fledged preview, because we've covered both these teams in recent weeks, let's figure out how to bet on it. Yeah, let's cheat and turn to our 3,500-year-old prognosticator, Noob Stradamus. To have a uh, drug-aided or a drug-addled uh, vision, depending on your perspective, and see what he has to say and what the Universal Infinite tells him on what's going to happen. Take it away, almighty soothsayer. Match number five. Uh, once again, having uh, some sort of pickup trouble with Noobstradamus. I guess we'll have to figure out how to bet it on our own. I do have my own thoughts on that. First of all, I think I recognize that music. That's a reggae superstar from there. They import a lot of Jamaican reggae there, uh, reggae there. But Alpha Blondie is one of the biggest reggae artists to ever come out of that country. Nice one, his backup group, the Solar System. As far as my thoughts on betting that, uh, Nigeria, you can get plus 180 Ivory Coast, 210. I don't think there's enough difference in ability here. Ivory Coast are at home. Uh, bet, but don't bet the farm. Uh, a draw is always a likelihood because, remember, when you're betting footy kids, it's only what happens in the first 90 minutes plus injury time. If it goes to penalty kicks, it's considered a draw for betting purposes. But bet Ivory Coast, just do so extra response. All right, match number five, moving on to Yemen. Yeah, the top league there. I know that here in the States and yeah, maybe in a lot of the Western world, it's not everybody's favorite country to think about right now. But hey, let's just learn football. That's what we're here for. They have reached their domestic league playoff final. Now, this is not a strong league. They are tied for last place in the Asian Football Confederation uh, with four other uh, leagues. But hey, we love football everywhere. The winners will get a berth into what's going to be known as the AFC Challenge League. It's going to be a tertiary inter National Club Tournament. Uh, European fans basically think of this as the Asian uh, Europa Conference League, if you will. In the regular season, there are two groups of six, and they play a double round robin. The top two from each group, uh, each group moved on to the playoffs. Your finalists, they came out of the same group, Group A. Number one from that one, Al-Ali Sanaa, who will get to play host here, versus number B, Al-Tadamun Hadramat. Uh, it was Ali, Ali Sana that won their last meeting 4-1, to one, and they won their group by seven points over Tadaman. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Tadaman, they finished five points ahead of third place, all Uruba. Okay, Ali Sana, talking about them first. Uh, Sana, if I'm saying that right now, I hope I am. It is the capital of the country. This team has won 10 league titles in the past, though it's been a minute, I believe. 2007 was the last one I saw a record of. They've also made four Champions League appearances. This last one is 2002-2003. 2021-22, they won the bronze medal match here in the league. Key stats to look at, well, they're number one in offense in their group by a factor of uh, 50%. They're getting over two goals per match. They had the number one defense just by absolute miles. They only gave up two goals in 10 matches. Their goal differential, the best in the group by a factor of five. 
team's current form? Well, the best thing I can tell you is that their only loss was in their very first match of the regular season. All right, and now Tatamun Hadramat. They actually play out of the city of Mukala, which is the capital of the Hadramat state. Uh, the city is a south-central port, number six size city in the country, about 600,000. Uh, recent history buffs will know that it was a focal point for the 2016 coup d'etat that happened there and uh, the Civil War. It was held by rebel troops for a very long time. Now, if they were in the league the last time, I believe it was held or at least held to its completion 2021-22. This club was either not in it or they were under a different name. I just couldn't find out a lot about it. They are second best across the board statistically. Defense particularly good, tied for second best in that regard, giving up only one goal per match. I don't think they'll be able to stop uh, Ailey Sana, but at least they could keep it interesting if they keep the score low. Team's current form, they were 3-1-0 in their last four. How is it that these kitties have so much leverage over me? Fine, back, you wild animals. You will have a recap of last week's matches. Happy to do it. Match number one last week was a Friday match from the Asian Cup quarterfinal. Tajikistan, they lost to Jordan 0-1. Uh, Jordan went on to beat South Korea 2-0 uh, in the semifinal, by the way. Uh, the bet that I recommended came through. I said to take Jordan at plus 100, and so it was. I hope you are retired to the Caribbean now. Match number B was from the AFCON quarterfinal, Nigeria versus Angola. Uh, Nigeria won 1-0. Guy we said to look out for, uh, Adamola Lukmen, had a goal. Saturday, match number three from the Antigua and Barbuda uh, Premier Division. Number B, Old Road, took a number one uh, Grenades or Grenades, and it was the visitors winning one to two. No change in the table there. Sunday was match number four from the Premier League in England. Number three, Arsenal versus number one, Liverpool, and it was the Gunners, defending their home pitch. Three to one. Uh, their star, Bakayo Saka, had the opening goal. No change in the table here, though. Match number five from Serie A in Italy. Number one, Inter Milan took on number B, Juventus. It was Milan. Only by a score of one nothing, but they outclassed and completely. They're going to run away with this league. No change in the table there. Uh, the bet I said to make, instead of doing this one, because I don't like the ones with the top two or top three matchups, they tend to be, uh, the public tends to seem to get them right for the line. I said to bet Roma minus 245 to beat Cagliari in a different part of the week. And indeed, Roma trounced them for nils. Now you can live in style in the Caribbean, no less. Match number six from Spain's La Liga. Number one, Real Madrid versus number three, Atletico Madrid. The result was a 1-1 draw. That knocked Atletico down to number four. Monday, match number seven from the Premier League in Israel. Number B, Maccabi Haifa versus number one, Maccabi Tel Aviv. And it was Haifa getting the 2-0 win, and they switched positions. The King is dead or down for the moment. Long live the new one. Wednesday, match number eight from the Coupe de France, the FA Cup in France. Their round is 16. We had a level five team, AS Saint-Priest versus Valenciennes from the second division. And Valenciennes did get a 1-2 win. The dream is done for Saint-Priest in the scene. Match number nine for the CONCACAF Champions Cup first round. First leg of the home and away two-legged ties. Forge versus Guadalajara. And it was Guadalajara going to the Great White North and getting a great win, 1-3. to three. Thursday match number 10 from the uh, OFC Champions League National Playoff Round. Both from Fiji, number B at Rewa versus number one, Lautoka. They played to a nil-nil draw. And now your bonus matches with explanations to come later. First, your route of the week from uh, Grenada's Premier League. That's the Caribbean island country. Number 10, Happy Hill was supposed to play number one, Paradise, but it seems that has been postponed. So, almost paradise. 
No, not going any further with that. I've had a change of heart. Next, your most manless match in the world was a Thursday match from the Hungarian NB1. Number eight, uh, Kech Smeti versus number seven, Dios Gori. And it was Kech Smeti getting a 2-1 win. The guy we said to look for, Christopher Horvath, had a brace of goals for the winners. Uh, for Dios Gori, Rudy Venkes, that we pegged as a possible man in the match, had a goal as well. These two switched positions, for whatever that's worth, in the table. Meaningless. And now, your match of disappointed, a Monday match from Cyprus's first division, number 13, Othelos versus number 14, Akatakopia. They played appropriately to a nil-nil draw, and nevertheless, that point actually did move Othelos up to number 12. Congratulations. Might be in order. All right, that concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back into the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. For the second episode in a row, we're headed off to Oceania, the smallest of the Continental Confederations. The OFC are having their Champions League. This is called the National Playoff Round, and it is the second leg of the home-and-away two-legged tie. Uh, first of all, the top two uh, domestic league finishers from each of the top, top seven nations leagues in Oceania, uh, they have a playoff to see which team will go to what I think of as the event proper. As a side note, the other four lowest league winners, they have a single round-robin tournament and between the four of them, they get just one spot in the Champions League proper. Uh, that hasn't started, at, the t at least at the time that I scouted it. The match we're going to look at, it's the same matchup from last week where they had leg one and it was the only one being played because it's the only one in their second leg. This determines who moves on and who doesn't. In Fiji, number one, Lautoka versus number B, Riwa. Uh, by the way, the Fijian National League is ranked number four in all of the OFC. Lautoka finished seven points ahead of Riwa in the regular season. That's a lot. Uh, Rewa beat out number three, Suva, one of the traditional powers, by four points. They faced off in the regular season. Latoka got a 1-1 draw and a 2-1 win. In the first leg, they played to a nil-nil draw. Not uncommon in any Champions Leagues that have home and away two-legged ties for everybody to play things a little bit close to the vest. Now, since we covered these two last week, I think this is a great time for us to take a time out for Person New because she has a segment she does every week that is near and dear to her heart. Let's sing it away, girl. Three, two, one. Aminos, Aminos, Aminos from around the world. Your mom. Wait a second. It's usually, oh yeah, why are you bringing my mom into this? Because I can. Are you talking about the listener's mom or the management's mom? I'm your mom. You're, that's harsh. <laughs> that's your grandma. I know. Well, I, what about her? I love your mom. Okay, that's that's wonderful. I'm just not sure why she was brought into this. Too bad. All right, well, what else are we bringing to this? We're in the nation of Fiji, and we're going to talk about the Fijian... Monkey face bat. What's its status? Fifty in danger. Wait a minute, did you say monkey faced? Yeah. That sounds like it's made up, like it's from a SpongeBob or... Some other cartoon. My request. Square face monkey. Or not square face monkey. Well, it is now. Square face All right, what's it called in Latin? The Mimiri Acronta. All right. What else is it known as in English? The Fijian flying face monkey or the Fijian flying monkey. Yeah, Fijian flying fox. Or the monkey. Or the monkey. Monkey. monkey, 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 monkey. All right. So where all can we find this thing? Well, it is the only mammal that is endemic to, to Fiji. 
Wow, it's only it's only from there. That's incredible. All right, what can you tell me about that? Well, it would well quick history back. It was discovered in 1976 in an old growth cloud forest in Desvaux Peak, the second highest mountain peak on the island of of Tavern of Tavany, the third largest Fijian island. Okay, the uh, Fijian, Fijian, that's close enough. We've done several takes trying to get Fijian from you, so that's okay. <laughs> and you did better on the pronunciation of the guy's name and the island name than I would have. So that's pretty cool. Now, uh, my own uh, researcher told me that the uh, originally this was in the same classification family as just general monkey face bats, which are a kind of mega bat, uh, the same kind that are found in the Solomon Islands. But it turns out that the two are very, very different, which is why this one is now called, more commonly, the flying fox. Interesting. What can you tell me about what it looks like and such? All right, it's got thick tan fur. It weighs three uh, quarters of a pound. Oh, that sounds like you could cook it up and put it on a sandwich. No. no. Yeah, that could be like a McDonald's or a Subway sandwich. Subway, we, you always think Subway should sponsor us. Maybe they could make a, a foot long a, a foot-long Fijian monkey face bat sandwich. So we have Charles, that Charles Barkley sound like talk about it. Okay. First of all, Subway should sponsor us, but second yeah. of all, they're not adding that to the menu. No? Can no. I still eat it? No. Oh, critically endangered animal sounds so tasty. What else can you tell me about what it looks like? Alright. It's got orange eyes that make it different from the other Fijian mega bats. Fijian bats. Fijian. <laughs> Whatever. It's hard, isn't it? I know. Too bad. All right, so I want to eat it. What is it wants to eat? It wants to eat plants. What kind of plants? Tough plants. Wow. Now, these bad boys and girls, they're hard to capture and observe uh, due to their habitat way up in the cloud forest. How many have ever been observed? Six. Like single digit six? Mm -hmm. Holy smokes. And uh, what is the overall population thought to be? Um, probably under a thousand. Wow. I mean, if it's anywhere close to a thousand, but we've only seen six. I mean, that's way up there, isn't it? Yeah. All right. So what sort of things are uh, are threatening it? Why is it in trouble? Well, um, their cloud forest is part of the um, Tavini Forest Reserve, but most of their reserves have been converted to mahogany plantations just the same. Uh-oh. All right. What oh, else no. is threatening them? Um, another thing that's threatening them is that their habitat is being lost and fragmented by pollution. Pollution, agriculture, extreme weather, and unbanization. Climate change is anticipated to shrink cloud forests worldwide, resulting in further habitat loss. I wonder what it is about urbanization that it threatens it, because it's not like anybody's urbanizing way up in the cloud forest, otherwise they would have seen more than six of these things. It's a cloud forest. That's a forest that is way up in the mountains, like near cloud level. Oh, I thought it was a forest in the cloud. Yeah, essentially that's what we're saying. A magical forest. It's a magical forest with six bats, which is less than a thousand, so that could be. Maybe they've observed all of them. Maybe they're exactly six. I don't know. All right. Well, we still can't say Fijian specific, uh, uh, consistently because even I screwed it up on a previous day. But you know what we can do? Well, we can look at pictures. Of babies. I don't know how many of these pictures are actually of babies or not, but you can still point at the cute ones and ooh and ah and describe them to people. They look like nightmare fuel, but they're cute. <laughs> cute nightmare fuel. Yeah. What's the cute part? They're just cute. What's the nightmare fuel part? They're just staring into your eyes. Yeah, with, with their... With orange eyes. I know. It's like they're almost demonic, but not quite. 
I wonder. First... I wonder why orange specifically. That's really, that's really interesting. Oh, look at this guy. <gasps> that's okay. Okay, that one's just cute. Yeah, he's got his wings all the way spread, and he's like facing directly at the camera. Looks like he needs pants on. Pants. Pants are they underrated? Yes. Pants are underrated. Pants, Pants are, are underrated. underrated. Pants are underrated. Your mom. Yeah. Is, uh, don't bring my mother back into this. You go look <laughs> back at baby monkey face bats or something. This has been a strange episode and segment of Aminals. I, I just wanted to say that I love your mom. Okay. I love you too, my mom. And this was Aminals around the world and being nice to my mom. I love your mom. Match number seven. We head to Africa for our final Sunday match once again, this time for a domestic league match from the Batola Pro. That is the top flight in Morocco. It is the second best league by ranking in the CAF. That is the African Football Confederation. And because they're in the top 12, two of their teams will get to go to next year's African Champions League. One will also get to go to the Confederations Cup, which is their version of the Europa League. And they're about halfway through the season here. Your matchup, number B, FAR Rabat versus number one, Raja Casablanca. This is known as the Classico in that country. Uh, right now, Raja, they lead FAR by two points at the table. FAR in turn lead number three, AS uh, Berkane, by eight points. So pretty close to a two-horse race. Series between these two, Raja have had the best of it in recent seasons, accruing an 11-11-5 and record. When they played earlier this season, they got one of those many draws. Uh, Raja only managed a 2-2 draw. FAR are getting a host this time, and they are known as the leader and the boss. And they are a club that was formed with uh, directly with a relationship to the Royal Army. In fact, that is uh, in French what the FAR stands for. And this is a club like some in Europe, particularly in Spain. And in fact, they're kind of playing a tiki-taka sort of fashion that over the decades has always prided itself on playing the same way no matter who's manager. They play a possession game, a lot of movement, and a lot of short passes. That is the club identity. And it has served them well. They have won 13 league titles and are your defending champions. They've also won one Champions League title. That was back in 1985. They won the Confederations Cup that we mentioned before a little bit more recently, 2005. Uh, they lost in this year's Champions League in the second of the two qualifying rounds right before the group stage and event proper. In domestic play this year, the defense is good. The offense, amazing. Two-plus goals are the only one that's doing that in the league, and they've got the number one overall goal differential. Tied for number four in league scoring that they have largely to thank for that with a half dozen is Hamza uh, Igamane. He's 21-year-old attacker, yeah, and he's a homegrown for them. There's also two teammates of his that have six goals apiece, which is part of what makes them so hard to stop. But I wanted to mention this guy because he's only had one penalty kick, uh, adding to those six total goals. The others have had more. Teams current form, they are 6-1-0 and oh in their last seven. And now Raja, the Green Eagles. It is member-owned, operated, unlike most African clubs, not just in this country, but anywhere. They have won 12 league titles. Last one was three years ago. Three Champions League titles as well. The last one, though, 1999. They've won a couple of Confederation Cup titles since then, 2018 and the 21 version. 
2013, they also had a great FIFA Club World Cup. They finished in second place. This year, they're undefeated in domestic league play, and they have won four straight. Uh, they have been doing it by being a very well-balanced team. They're second best on offense and defense. Key player to look for for them. Tied for number one in league scoring, that is Naufel Zerhoni, a Moroccan attacking midfielder. Match number eight. We head to Australia for our next Tuesday match, number eight. It is the AFC Cup Zonal Finals. First of all, for newer fans, yes, Australia, they joined the AFC about a year, uh, about a decade ago, rather, to get some tougher competition than they were able to get absolutely dominating the Oceania Football Confederation. Now, the AFC Cup is the equivalent of the Europa League. It is the second best tournament in Asia. Zonal Finals, it's a little bit weird, depending on what part of Asia they play in sub-confederations. The formatting gets a little bit strange. So let me just say this. Eight teams are playing in these zonal finals. Uh, there are three teams that are one to two rounds ahead. Uh, you know, what, Some of the winners from this round get to seemingly jump ahead two rounds. Some will play one. You would have to Google it up. But suffice it to say, it's almost a quarterfinal, and it's really, really important. Your matchup, MacArthur FC versus Sabah. Yeah, that was dizzying. I know. Uh, the winners will get to play either Central Coast Mariners, also from Australia, or Phnom Penh Crown. Now, MacArthur, they're a fairly new Australian team. They play in the A-League men over there, which is the 12th-ranked league in all of Asia. Uh, the club was just founded in 2018, and they are known as the Bulls. Great crest, too. Uh, they're in the southwest greater Sydney area, and this is their first-ever AFC competition. Congratulations, Bulls. They qualified by winning the FA Cup, the 2022 Australian Cup specifically. They advanced to this stage by winning uh, their group in the group stage. They beat Phnom Penh Crown there, by the way, by three points, who finished second best. And they had an astounding 23 against five goal differential in the six matches in the group stage. Top 10 in event scoring with a half dozen is Valère Germain from France. Uh, he plays forward for them, spent the heart of his career uh, with Marseille over there. Team's current form, they are 3-4-0 in their last seven in league play. And now Sabah, maybe a club that's even less well-known to us, at least here in the Western world, because we don't talk a lot about Malaysia. We need to get to their Super League more often. It's a good league. They're ranked almost in the top 10, number 11 in the AFC. This team is known as the Rhinos. Sabah is the name of the state. The town out of which they play is called Kota Kinabalu. It's in northwest Borneo, a city of about a half a million, and uh, it's the state capital. Big tourist destination, not in its own right, but because it gets used as a gateway to all the sort of outdoor great tourism that you get all over Borneo. This has been a big industrial hub for the region as well, but that has been slipping in recent years. It's not doing that well economically. They qualified this event, for this event rather, by finishing in third place in the Super League in their country in 2022. They advanced by winning their group by two points off over Vietnamese uh, club Haiphong. They went 4-0-2 in the group stage with a pretty good 19 against 9 goal differential. Not as impressive as MacArthur, but they're from the stronger league. Boy, I, I would just, this is another one I'll just say, oh, don't bet on it. I know MacArthur are at home, but I don't think he'll get much of a payout. Key player to look for, tied for number three in event scoring with six is Darren Locke. He is actually English-born. He's a striker, 33 uh, Malaysian national team appearances, though. Team's current form, they are 6-0-1 in their last seven, and that loss may not have been that important to them, quite frankly. It was in their FA Cup. Match number nine. 
All right, now we jump ahead to Wednesday, match number nine. First time it feels like in South America in a little bit. We're headed to the Copa Libertadores, first qualifying round, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Little explanation for newer fans, the Copa Libertadores is their version of the Champions League. This is the first of three qualifying rounds and the home and away two-legged tie. The two teams, as you, if you haven't figured it out from earlier in the show, when they play a home and away and add up the scores to see who moves on. Only six teams are entered in this round. Uh, your teams are from Peru, FBC Melgar, playing host to Aurora out of Bolivia. Aurora won the first leg 1-0. So this looked to be the most competitive of the three matches we had to choose from this week. The winners will face Botafogo from Brazil, who got a bye to the second qualifying round. You can catch this one at 7.30 in the evening in the States, Eastern Time on BN Sports, and as you would imagine, BN Sports and Espanol, given that it's being held in Peru. But since this is only the first qualifying round, and this is the time of show where Noob's tummy starts to get a little rumbly, time for a culture break. And a culture break means food. It's strange that I'm not eating, that I'm talking about it. You would think that that makes it seem worse. And maybe it does, but I'm not going to complain about it. It's still fun. Now, Melgar, that's where we're going to focus on since they're hosting the match there in, in Peru. The name of the city out of which they play is Arequipa. And uh, the restaurants in this region are known for featuring the same menu every week, the same dish on the same day every single week. Part of the reason for that is these are all very local traditional dishes and this is sort of a uh, truly Spanish European kind of island uh, culturally is Arequipa, the second biggest city after the capital of Lima and uh, culturally they are very much rivals. I don't want to say Arequipa is isolated but they really maintain their traditions and then some. The Wednesday specialty that we're going to look for that you can find so many places here, you usually won't find these interestingly made at home, at least on a regular basis, as a full meal. We're going to talk about uh, chokuka or uh, chokoka. Now, there are a couple different versions of this, by the way, or meanings for the word. And in a lot of South America, it means something completely different. Here, it is a cornmeal soup. I'll tell you what you're going to need. Uh, cornmeal, obviously. You want uh, beef, and you want to keep it in big pieces. Don't dice it up or shred it or anything like that. You also want, if you find it, dried lamb meat that is salted called chalona. Uh, celery, leek, daikon, which is a type of radish, onion, white cabbage, uh, potatoes, garlic, cloves, uh, ahi Colorado paste. That's the real flavor. Uh, you're going to need oil, of course, some cumin, and some mint. Here's how you're going to prepare this thing. You're going to put your cornmeal. You can Google up the full recipe with the amounts on your own. A couple cups of water. Mix it thoroughly. Keep that in reserve. Then, in the big pot, heat up your oil. Add the onion, garlic, that delicious ahi Colorado paste, and the cumin and cook, stirring it frequently until the onion is translucent. It is not done until you can kind of see through those onion pieces. Then and only then do you add the meat, including the chalona, plus your celery, leek, daikon, salt to taste, and uh, do that for a couple of hours. Fry this up, frequently flipping those pieces of meat so all both sides look completely cooked. You cannot really undercook the meat for this. It needs to be well done. Then you add your hot water and bring it to a boil. Then you add the potatoes and cabbage and half of your yerba buena, which is mint. So you want to cook some in there. Cook until the potatoes are tender. Add the cornmeal mix in slowly and keep stirring it frequently. Add more salt if you feel like you need it. Let it cook for a few minutes. And then while it's still hot, that's when you want to serve it. And then the other half of that yerba buena or whatever mint leaves you have, then you're going to serve that with 
with that on top of your finished product otherwise. Sounds delicious. I hope you're able to find it at an authentic restaurant or maybe put together the, re the uh, recipe yourself, even though I know that dried lamb would be tough to find. And match number 10. We're done. Finally. Indeed, child, we have reached the end, at least of the main 10. Don't forget, we've got our super cool 10, or three, excuse me, bonus matches next. Oh, Dad doesn't have time for that much research. Match number 10 is once again a Wednesday match. It is from the Conmebol Champions Cup, newly named this year or renamed back to it. Uh, it has been the Champions League for a while here in our portion of the world. They're in the first round, and this is the second leg, the home and away two-legged tie. Oh, is this a surprising one? First, some details on the event status or structure, I should say. 22 teams enter at this round. Five other teams that will be participating, they will be entering in at the next round. Your matchup here is Club de America from Liga MX. And here's your surprise underdog, Real Esteli from Nicaragua. Now, it's not a surprise that Esteli are here. They're one of the three big teams in the last couple, three seasons, two big teams out of Nicaragua. But that is... Uh, the weakest of the Central American leagues other than Belize, I think it would be fair to say. And here's the surprise. Real Esteli, even though it was at home, still an upset in my mind, and probably most people's, won the first leg against the mighty Mexican side 2-1. to one. Uh, The winners of this match overall, the two legs, will get to face either Forge FC out of Canada or Guadalajara from Liga MX, of course. You can catch this match, 10-15 Eastern Time on FS2 or the streaming platform VIX. All right, Club de America out of Mexico City, one of the biggest. They are the Eagles, and they have won 10 FIFA-recognized trophies. That is the most of any club in Mexico, and they're the country's most popular team. They're also the ninth most popular club in the United States. At first, I was surprised by that, but then I remembered that Liga MX is still the most watched, I believe, league in the United States, even more than Major League Soccer. So there you go. They're top 10 around here, too. They've long been known as a club sort of of the wealthy, and that was because of some ownership, I believe, that took over in the 80s. They were the first club that really started relying heavily on uh big money players, especially from abroad. So while they are the most popular, they might be the most hated club as well. I guess that comes with the territory, kind of the New York Yankees down there. They have won this event and its various names seven different times. Last time was 2015-16. They qualified for this year's event by getting Mexico's very last berth. They qualified as the second best club on aggregate in the standings in 2022-23 that didn't win either of the two season stages. Remember, League MX is two separate seasons, sort of the Apertura and Clausura. They didn't win either of them. They had the second best record of those that did not. Key players to look for, number one in clean sheets, because believe me, this is a defensively oriented team. And number one in save percentage, by the way, 95%. It's outrageous. I almost think it has to be a typo, but that's uh, Luis Malagon. Also, number one in accurate passes per 90 minutes is their defensive midfielder, Alvaro Fidalgo. Uh, he even made an appearance with Real Madrid. I don't know if he came up with their youth system, but you can tell he was pretty highly thought of at a point in his career and still is. I mean, that's the best uh, league still, uh, our side of the Atlantic. And we have a USA connection, Alejandro Zendejas. He plays winger for them. Been some interesting confusion about him. For a long time, he was thought to have been born in El Paso, but it turns out that he was born in Juarez, Mexico. 
Uh, he's represented on both sides of the border in the national team uh, systems. He repped for the uh, youth national team and made a couple of appearances for the senior team uh, below the border. And then uh, now he has officially switched over to the U.S. He came up with FC Dallas, by the way. All right, and now Real Esteli. I don't have tons about them, to be honest, but they are known as El Train del Norte, the train of the north, as the city of Esteli is in the northwest central part of the country. It's just the eighth biggest within their borders, about 120,000. It is a huge tobacco growing area, much better than any part of the rest of the country, maybe even all of Central America. Uh, historically, during the revolution, a lot of Cuban cigar makers had to flee, and along with a lot of other people in general, of course, and they ended up here finding the soil here and found it was excellent. So yeah, a hard time getting a Cuban cigar. Look for one from Northern Nicaragua. They are muy bueno. They are considered the second best team in the country historically, uh, right behind Durian Hen. They qualified for this event by finishing as runners-up in the 2023 Central American Cup. It's really hard to get a direct berth into the CONCACAF Champions League from there with all the new structuring. They were very low scoring in the group stage, but they really picked up their offensive pace in the uh, knockout round uh, the last couple matches of that event. So interesting to see what kind of pace they try to push, although I would imagine in the Azteca that uh, it will not be them doing the pushing. I got to think it'll be Club de America at their own place. They may be riled up. <laughs> wouldn't, ex wouldn't be surprised to see like a, a 6 nil score or something. A couple of key players to look for. I wasn't able to find much in terms of their uh, domestic league play, but the two guys that have scored uh, goals for them or scored goals for them against Club de America in the first round were Byron Benia, who we've mentioned on this show before. He plays left winger for them. And Marfin Fleites, uh, he's listed as a defender, but must also be doing some wingback action. Bring forth the bonus matches. Bonus matches on parade. The first is a first versus last place matchup. My daughter dramatically calls the route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And this is a Sunday match from Togo. Yeah, in Africa, where the top flight is called the Championnat National. They are tied for being the 22nd ranked league in all of Africa. Uh, they're almost halfway through the season there. You got to be in the top 12, as I mentioned before, to send two. So they'll only get to send one team to the Champions League and four of the teams, like a whole quarter of the league, get relegated. Ooh, that's tough. All right. Speaking of tough, check out this matchup for the visitors. Number one, ASKO, and they're playing host two, little tiny number 16, Dynamique Togole. Uh, ASKO, they lead uh, number B, Kara, and two other clubs by six points. So I think it'll end up a two-horse race. It's just a question of which one of those horses will start to stretch out its neck a little bit. My guess is it'll be Kara. They and uh, ASKO are off at the top two in this league. Meanwhile, uh, uh, Dynamic or Dynamique uh, Togole, they trailed number 12. That is the point of safety for them, not getting relegated. Uh, Bina by six points. Not undoable, but that uh, journey, if it's going to happen, probably doesn't make its first step today on the road for them. All right, ASKO. That stands for uh, Association Sportive de la Cosa Football Club. Cosa is the name of the prefecture that they are from. Cara is the name of the city. It's in the northeast central part of the country. A little over 100,000 people. And yet, despite that, uh, the economy is largely based on subsistence agriculture. I don't know how important 
trade is there currently, you know, just due to this being more modern times. But at the very least, historically, this was a huge one in this region of Africa because uh, it's right at the crossroads of a, of a couple major thoroughfares, if you will. On the pitch, they have won eight league titles and are your four-time defending champions. They've made five Champions League appearances. Uh, the best one was last year. They made the second of the two qualifying rounds. Domestically this year, top three offense and defense, and that balance is good to have uh, to have them tied for number one in goal differential. They remain your favorites. They only give up a little less than two-thirds of a goal per match in a league where <laughs> they're in the top four in offense and they don't score much more than one goal per average. So you got to like your defense to like watching it. Although if you can find a stream, let me know at soccernewbusa.com because I didn't see one. Now I've got even less on uh, dynamic Togo Lay, but we'll learn a little. They're out of the capital city of Lome. They've actually won six league titles. Uh, 2012 was the last one. Uh, looking like they'll have a shot at the second division league. <laughs> title next year, maybe. Uh, they've made two Champions League appearances as well, at least that I could find. The records seem to be a little bit lacking for the last several years, but I uh, know that they most recently appeared, it looks like, in 2002. Last year, they didn't miss by all that much. They finished in third place, but this year, oh, woof, they have just collapsed. Tied for worst on offense, not even getting two goals every three matches on average. Uh, one and a third goals plus, that qualifies you in the bottom two of the league in defense. Overall, the worst goal differential. So uh, good luck, uh, Dynamic Togole. You're going to need all you can muster and probably a little bit more. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. Celebrated in song and only here, certainly the most meaningless match in the world. It's another Sunday match. We go to the microstate of Andorra, where their top lead is called the Primera uh, Divisio. And yes, they do have more than one. There is relegation out of this league. Not that that or going to a European tournament is likely to affect either of these two teams smack dab in the middle of their table. And they've expanded from eight to 10 teams this year. So it's really looking like a full-size league. They're only ranked number 51 in UEFA, but, you know, for a basically a dot in the map, that's, you know, that's pretty okay. Uh, only their champions, of course, will get to go to the Champions League. They will only send one team from the league play to the Europa Conference League, and they will both have to start all the way back in the first qualifying round. On the other end of things, one team from this league gets relegated. Uh, the ninth place team will have to fight for their lives in what's called a relegation playoff match but we won't bore you with details on that this particular time because this is the most meaningless match. These teams are in the middle. They're almost two-thirds of the way through their triple round-robin season. Your matchup is number five. Oh, this is a delicious appetizer. I get it whenever I can, I think. Pena Encarnada. What sounds like an appetizer? You know, fried up, maybe, you know, double-fried squid or something. I don't know. Versus number six, uh, Keroy, which is too close to having all the same letters as carry on. Uh, I would not eat that. Uh, Pena and Carnata, they won earlier this season, nil two. So this is their second matchup. All right, Pena, they are in the capital city of Andorra, La Vea, and are known as the Reds. They were founded in 2009, and they've already been up and down a couple of times from the second division. I don't know the exact nature of the relationship, if it's financial, like they're owned by them, or if this is just a club that's done in homage in some fashion. But uh, right on the crest, it says uh, Casa do Benfica. They have some kind of relationship with uh, Benfica, the big club from Portugal, or one of the big three from there. 
Last year, when it was an eight-team league, this team was meaningless as well. They finished in fifth place. This year, they are a distant fifth on offense. There's a real gap between uh, the top four and everybody else in this league. And uh, they're just uh, sixth best on defense, number five overall goal differential. Don't expect much movement from them. Uh, team's current form. Yeah, this is appropriate for a Triple M match. 3-0-3, winning every other match lately. And now Caroy, they're also from the capital city, and they are named for uh, Pic de Caroy, which is a famous mountain in the area. They think highly enough of it, uh, honestly, no pun intended, that uh, the top uh, top left portion of their crest is actually, it's very beautiful, is a depiction of the mountain on kind of a purpley background. It's nice. They are known as the Academy. They were founded strictly as an Academy in 2014. The next year, they didn't wait long. They put together a senior team. Twice they have won the Division II title in that country, 2018-19 most recently. Last year, they were not in the top flight. I am not sure how they did in the second division last year. If they got moved up because they won the league or perhaps they uh, got moved up simply because the league expanded. Uh, This year, they're only eighth best on both offense and defense. They're likely to go a little bit further down. I don't like their chances on the road here for this one. But they do have one guy who's uh, pretty good in front of the net. Uh, On the scoring leaderboard with five for the league is Arzio uh, Badhana from uh, Portugal. Team's current form, no wins, uh, just a draw and five losses over their last half dozen. What's more than meaningless? Well, it's being a part of the match of... And the Herculean Kevin Sorbo scorn. I, I was going to say Sorbo-esque. Would that be the right conjugation there? Yeah, Sorbo-esque scorn. Let's go with that. Is appropriate. These are the two last place teams from Austria. Your last bonus match is another Sunday one. They shouldn't be playing on the Day of the Lord, not these two. Uh, the Austrian Bundesliga is the 13th ranked league in all of UEFA. No thanks to these two. They'd be much higher. Uh, they're about three quarters of the way through the regular season here. Then they divide up into uh, championship and relegation uh, rounds for the remainder. These two are the only two that have already uh, qualified, if you will, for the relegation round. Even if they were to win out, they, which they certainly wouldn't. Uh, they cannot escape their fate. Your matchup is number nine, WSG Tyrol versus number 10, Austria Lustenon. I, I know it might be Tyrol. I didn't look it up, but it's the match of disappointed. So they don't deserve my extra work. Lustenau, they trail uh, Tyrol by eight points. A series between these two, a perfectly even five, five, and five, equal in their suckitude. WSG won when they played earlier this season on the road, two to three. Uh, Tyrol, that stands for Wattener. Sportgemeinschaft uh, Tyrol. I might have gotten that close. Uh, Watts is the name of the town out of which they play, about 8,000 in the west central part of the country. Uh, Tyrol is the state. If you know this area for anything, beyond being just a huge fan of the other white meat that is the Austrian Bundesliga, this is the home of Swarovski Crystal. Yeah, that's where they're headquartered. Currently, they're having to play their home matches in nearby Innsbruck, not where they would normally play, like when they're in a lower division, because their current home does not meet, quote, sustainability standards, end quote. I'm not sure that's an environmental thing. I have a feeling the stadium's uh, just a pile of crap for some reason. So uh, they won the second division in 2018-19. Last year, they finished in ninth place in this league. This year, uh, pretty equally bad on both sides of the ball. They're giving up almost two goals per match. That's uh, twice as many as they scored nearly. 
On the scoring leaderboard for them, which means he's probably getting half the Deem Star in goals, number five, uh, with five goals rather, is Nick. Uh, I'm going to pronounce it Prelich, P R E L E C. He's from Sylvania, plays forward for them. He came up with Sampdoria, which is uh, currently in Serie B over in Italy, and they actually came up or not came up with, but was last with Cagliari right now over in the top flight in Italy, although they're kind of staring down the barrel of a relegation fight as well. Team's current form, their 1-2 win at number nine Lintz in their last match snapped a two-match losing streak. And now Lustenal, that is in the far west uh, corner of the country. If you imagine it, Roughly shaped like Kentucky. I don't know if this will help you not or not, but basically they're Paducah, at least ge- geographically, not culturally. Maybe they have a fine quilting museum. I guess I don't know. But it's right on the Swiss border and is so aligned with the country, uh, probably economically and in a number of ways, that there's actually four different bridges you can get over the border. Uh, the town itself only has a little under probably 25,000 of population. I don't think this is a geographic thing so much as a political thing. I didn't do a deep dive, but from what I read, I'll say it's so separated from its surroundings uh, for political reasons historically that they actually have their own dialect there. And also, I don't want to—I don't want to say it's necessarily inbreeding or something, but if you go there even today, I think most things follow the eighty-twenty rule. But you will find the majority, uh, maybe the vast majority of the last names there are only one of three different uh, surnames. So kind of interesting. They've won the second division title twice. Last time was two thousand twenty-one, twenty-two. Last year they finished in eighth place. This year, they've got only one little win on the season. Worst offense and defense, giving up two and a quarter goals per match. They've got the worst goal differential by nearly a factor of two. Woof. Nevertheless, like so many clubs across the world, they do have a Brazilian, and he's really good. Their team MVP, in my opinion, is their right wing back, the singularly named Anderson. Uh, looked at his stats, I really wasn't sure what was standing out about him, to be honest. Maybe it's just that he wasn't terrible in any one particular regard. Uh, the Biggest positive statistical facet I could find is that he's really good at tackling and uh, he's also snagged an assist. Team's current form, they have lost seven straight and only scored one goal. And it is on that horrific note that rather than wish either of these teams good luck or good fortune, we will instead heckle and shoo them away in our harsh traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get them away. Hey, boo. Boo. And now, like the famous Homer Simpson meme, we fade away into the bushes. This has been Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Pearson Noob. Episode 174 is in the books. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, the former Eterno Inferno, whose creative efforts and inspirations remain on fire. Thank you very much, of course, to my co-host and your star of the show, Person noob, I love getting to do this with you. I'm glad that you are still up for it, even with all your middle school busyness these days. And thank you for finding us, tuning in, listening through. We hope you enjoyed it. We endeavor to make something truly uh, you know, different and fun and that you'll consider passing this along to your footy-minded friends. Until we do it again in a few days, have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care. How you doing?